Hey, New Mexico News Podcast listeners, it is Chris here, and I am popping in at the start of this episode with a brief addendum because of some breaking news that happened last night that affects one of the topics we mentioned on today's episode. Now, APD announced the arrest of Solomon Pena, a former Republican candidate for Albuquerque House District 14. Pena is now facing charges accused of conspiring and hiring people to shoot at the homes of four Albuquerque area elected officials. We have a full write-up on this story, and we will post a link to that write-up in the show notes for this episode and also on this episode's spot on krqe.com slash podcasts. There was a lot of incredible detail to the story, and you should really take a read through the write-up we have. But all this is to say, this news broke after we finished recording and editing this week's episode. And that being said, some of the stuff you'll hear about the case is slightly dated. That's because we just didn't have those new details at the time. We're going to leave that stuff in this episode, but also we just wanted to make sure that you do recognize at the top of the show, new developments have occurred in this case. Again, you can read about them on karaqe.com. Check the show notes for a link. All right. On with the show. Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast. Headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. So if I said return of the thwack, Gabby, what would you think I'm talking about? The thwack? Yeah, thwack. Uh, I don't know. Okay, okay. Uh, it always comes in my mind every episode, return of the this. I, f- I find we do a lot of episodes where we're referring to context, and, and then this new thing that's happening is sort of a return. Return of the thwack, I mean, that's the gavel that the speaker hits. They're thwacking the gavel down. So it is the return of the thwack. Ooh, good vocabulary word for us this week. You're welcome. Uh, that's because lawmaking is back in New Mexico in 2023, the Tuesday that this episode publishes a new class of New Mexico House members, a second-term governor, and a returning class of state senators. They're all heading back to the Roundhouse for a 60-day legislative session. Yeah, 60 days is double the length of last year's 30-day session. So what does it all mean? This week on the podcast, we're talking New Mexico state politics and what you should expect coming into another year of lawmaking in Santa Fe. So as Gabby mentioned, not only is this session longer than the last one, but as we alluded to with some new lawmakers, some leadership changes, and of course, some current events that make this session possibly a very remarkable one. Joining us this week, returning guest and author of KRQE.com's daily Roundhouse Roundup legislative posts, Curtis Segarra is here inside the KRQE podcast studios today. I am remotely via Zoom, but Curtis, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Always good to be here to talk about politics. It's always a hot topic here in New Mexico. And did you know what I meant by return of the thwack? Once you explained it, yes. Okay, I can see okay. I can see gotcha. now the sound in my mind. It was a good onomatopoeia. I like it. Well, Curtis, welcome back. So you're an investigative data reporter, and that means you put together a lot of these longer data-focused news stories for KRQE.com. But you also do a lot of work publishing politics-related stories online, correct? Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. I primarily do investigative work and stuff for the website, but every time the session rolls around, I'm front and center publishing stories pretty much every day, trying to keep up with all that those 112 lawmakers are doing 
doing up in Santa Fe. So that's everything from going into the details of new bills that they're discussing to looking at budget breakdowns or just posting daily summaries of what uh, what we can expect watching those lawmakers. And people look out for these online by looking for a specific phrase, right? That's right. We, we call these the roundhouse roundup. They're just kind of a daily summary of what lawmakers are up to. Okay. The Roundhouse Roundup. So before we start to kind of round things up for this episode, I think when it comes to politics, it's kind of important to recognize something here. I'd say us as news people, sometimes we're guilty of, particularly myself, I feel like, guilty of getting lost with the inside baseball of names, stories, developments, context, and perhaps, you know, we may lose the bigger picture of what's happening and why it's important. So I think the best way to make sure that we don't lose sight of our main goal today to tell you about the upcoming legislative session is to go over and outline our big topics. So we've got four topics in all, and we are going to rattle them off, then get started in our discussion today. Okay. Does that, does that sound good to everybody? That sounds good. That sounds fair. Yeah. People can know what to expect. And Gabby, you've got the first two topics. What are those? Yeah. So topic one, we're going to discuss how much money the state has this year and a hint. It's a lot of money. The second topic, we'll look into some of the ideas the governor has for how she thinks that money should be spent in New Mexico. For topic three, we'll talk about the city of Albuquerque, the state's largest city, and what it is hoping to get from the legislature. For topic four, we're going to talk about some of the interesting pre-filed bills that have been registered for this session. So everybody's on board, right? Four topics. We're on board. Excellent. So in rounding out today's discussion, we'll also cover what's been one of the biggest stories leading into this legislative session. That is the shootings at the homes and offices of several state lawmakers and other elected officials. Good evening. Dozens of shots fired at the homes and businesses of elected officials. The latest shooting happening just this morning. We don't want to speculate that these are related. Uh, The evidence will lead us that way. The investigation hopefully will determine uh, what's related and what's not related. As a public servant, I mean, our our work is for our community. Um, So it's just, you know, it's it's a concern, but scary for me, Um, you know, and my children, of course. There have been some big developments in that case, which has also made big headlines surrounding politics and potential intimidation ahead of the session. But let's start with topic one, some very important context heading into the state legislative season. New Mexico has a lot of money. Revenues from oil and gas production are expected to bring big bucks to the state next year. Economists estimate that our income will be $12 billion. So Curtis, break down this idea of how much money they have. I mean, we know the state has billions of dollars in tax revenue every year to deal with, but this one feels different, right? There's a ton of money this time. So how much extra money does the state have and why? That's exactly right. It doesn't just feel different. It is different. And that's the way state lawmakers are looking at it this time around, because there's $3.6 billion in what they call new money. That's money that isn't already spoken for and that they didn't really plan for a year or two or three ago. So it's fresh billions of dollars that they can spend kind of however they want. Um, There are some limitations on what they can do, and they have to keep in mind that this money is maybe not going to be repeating year after year. We'll talk about that a little bit, Um, but it's a lot of money they have to play with. Do we want to talk about where this money's coming from? 
Yeah, as well. Why? Why does the state have so much money? Where does it come from? Well, they get interest and royalties specifically from oil and gas and other mineral leases. And that is a big part of the money coming in this year. Uh, You know, the Russia-Ukraine war really drove up oil prices in 2022. Those prices have since fallen, but New Mexico companies are still producing oil and gas at a record level. I mean, we're talking 1.7 million barrels a day in the fall of 2022. That's a ton of oil and every oil they produce generates some revenue for the state. So that's where a lot of this revenue that the state now has is coming from. And I find it fascinating. You go on Google maps, go to the Southeast part of the state, look in the Permian basin and you'll see all these dots on the ground and you kind of zoom in and you realize, Oh, those are all places where they are going for oil. It's expansive, extensive. It it really is eye opening when you realize the scope of what's going on here. Yeah. It's a huge industry here in New Mexico and in South uh, Eastern New Mexico in particular, we generate a lot of oil. We usually are kind of up there with Texas in terms of top oil producers for the nation, but yeah, generates a lot of money for the state. It always has, But this year, those record oil prices really made things different, really mean that we have a lot more than we would normally get from those oil incomes. And you'll hear politicians mention that as sort of like a volatile market because it does ebb and flow. Like some years you can see really, you know, massive revenues and other years, not so much. So that's why we talk about it's not totally normal year over year how much money we get from oil and gas. But Curtis, what can this money be used for? As we've reported, this money is meant to be spent on one-time investments because it's non-recurring from the state finance officials side of things. Analysts are advising lawmakers to consider one-time investments. So maybe that's something like a massive cybersecurity upgrade, water projects, rural health care, or expanding broadband. That's exactly right. Those kind of one-time investments are going to be the key here because, like you said, it's not guaranteed that that money is going to be available five years from now. Those record oil prices are not guaranteed to stay. So one-time spending is probably how a lot of this money is going to be used. But broadly speaking, a lot of this money is going to the general fund of the state, which means they can use it for generally almost anything. Mm. Um, But a lot of it will also go to the early childhood trust fund. So some of that funding is already spoken for. Basically, New Mexico takes a portion of their oil revenues and spends it on early childhood education. That's something they've been doing for years, something they're going to keep doing. And so one way or another, early childhood education is going to be a big uh, benefactor of this this money from oil. Um, But lawmakers will have a lot of additional money to spend on things like capital projects. Those are things you were talking about, Gabby, things like new buildings, new roads, new facilities, maybe expanding broadband. They might also try to use it to fund some recurring positions, but they're going to have to argue a little more for that because it's not guaranteed. And we're going to keep working because we have created the economic jumpstart that our state needs and deserves. So I think that brings us to topic two. What are the governor's ideas for how to spend all of this money this upcoming budget year? Now, the governor just published her budget recommendations just last week. Um, It's basically a 200-page document, and there's a lot in it, a lot of numbers. But then there's also a little bit of explanation there as well at the top of that document. The governor is calling for a $9.4 billion budget. That would be up 11% from last year. 
Yeah, and she also has some priorities in there, those being education, child well-being, housing and homelessness. There's public safety, healthcare access and affordability for New Mexicans, and finally, tax rebates and tax cuts. So, Curtis, let's start with the governor's education ideas. What are some of the standout policies that she's looking at? Well, we saw leading into this session that the governor is big on education. She's keeping that up with her recommendation for the budget here. She's talking about over $300 million, including money to add 60 plus hours of class time for students towards education. So really just kind of doubling down on investments the state has already made in education. She's also talking about addressing other factors that might be impacting education, such as adding $30 million for free school lunches for students across New Mexico, as well as a 4% salary increase for every K through 12 teacher. So just kind of tackling the issue of education from a number of different angles here. And the school lunches one is, is interesting because the idea is to address everybody that goes to school and eats essentially. It's not like an income related thing either. Right. That's, that's what she's proposing in her initial budget here. It's possible that that could be changed as the lawmakers debate this, but yeah, this isn't just kind of a program for some, this is universal free food for children in school. So (laughs) really trying to adjust, address big issues across the state. What about healthcare access and affordability? That was sort of number two of her priorities. What is in the governor's list there for healthcare access and affordability? Of course, you know, continued investments into uh, things like the Department of Health. They asked for a budget increase this year. In her recommendations, she suggested funding some of that, not quite what they asked for, but definitely an increase for that department. She's also earmarked some money specifically for things like family and reproductive health, family planning and reproductive health. So she's talking about $2 million or so for that. That's something she kind of spoke about when she was running for uh, re-election in the governor's race last, uh, last year. And she's also proposed $10 million for a new reproductive health clinic down in southern New Mexico, something that's uh, probably going to spark a little debate here, but that is one of her projects she has laid out. The governor signing an executive order with a goal of further expanding access to abortion in New Mexico. That includes the allocation of millions to build an abortion clinic near the state line. The executive order designates $10 million for building a new abortion clinic in Doña Ana County. That funding would come from the governor's executive fund in the upcoming 2023 legislative session. That, of course, is after the November election. Uh, She's also been looking at ways that we can fill in some gaps left by the drawaway of federal funding. So New Mexico did receive a lot of federal funding in terms of health care especially related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now some of that money is being peeled back because the pandemic is over in a lot of senses. And so state legislators, including the governor as well, will be looking at how to kind of address gaps left by the rollback of those federal funds. CYFD is promising big changes to the agency following some deadly child abuse cases and some allegations CYFD didn't do enough to protect those children. So they'll also be tackling, you know, healthcare from outside of the Department of Health as well from other angles. So one of the things that the governor wants to do is add money for 83 new staff positions at CYFD. That's the department in charge of things like foster care across New Mexico. 
we've seen news reports of how this department is often understaffed, overworked, and sometimes what that results in is inability to always protect children in the way that uh, New Mexico children need protected. So it's a super important department, um, but they certainly have some potential funding gaps that the governor is looking to fill here with new staff positions. She's also talked about, and in the budget, talked about expanding the 988 behavioral crisis line. So that's a new phone line that opened up recently where you can call kind of like 911, but it's for behavioral health emergencies. She wants to add $6.6 million to help expand that. And recently that uh, health line also expanded care for LGBTQ plus um, callers. So it, it's a new way of looking at ways to help public health here in New Mexico. Again, just like with education, the governor is looking at addressing these issues from a lot of different angles using this money. On the subject of money, the governor is also seeking more tax cuts and tax rebates for New Mexican. We know we saw some checks, you know, last year with the gas rebate checks, but tell us what's on the agenda or on her list this year for tax rebates? Well, it kind of seems like last year did set a precedent. This idea that if we have more money, it's coming from oil and gas. Some of that ought to go back to the people of New Mexico. The governor will sign a bill today that gives tax rebates to New Mexicans. Lawmakers passed that bill this week during a special session. It will give $500 to individual taxpayers and $1,000 to married couples. So she's continuing with that. She has uh, once again promised $750 for single filers or $50. $1,500 for joint filers at a total cost of about $1 billion worth of that money coming in. So yeah, it's entirely possible that New Mexicans could see rebate checks again this year. And when you think about that $1 billion, I think it's about $3.4 billion is new money this year. So that is a about a third of that new oil and gas revenue money would be going to a program like that. So Pretty significant chunk. I'm going to go ahead and get started here. Um, so running through those first three priorities the governor's outlined, I think I want to jump now into topic three that we've outlined because sort of the two areas left on the governor's list, they've also gotten a lot of attention from the city of Albuquerque. And we want to talk about what the state's largest city, of course, is asking the legislature for. We decided that we were only going to talk about in this context specific things that we can change. So quickly, the governor's housing and homelessness priorities, that includes a lot of ideas as well. One of the most unique, I think, is money for what she calls mobile homelessness response teams. There's also funds for homeownership, down payments, uh, rental and eviction prevention, single family housing rehab programs, and a lot more. In the public safety realm, the governor wants a $100 million law enforcement recruiting fund and a lot more money toward fire protection. So topic three, what is the city of Albuquerque asking for? We know Mayor Tim Keller has held a few news conferences so far focusing on housing asks and public safety related asks of the legislature. So let's start with housing. The city outlined a housing priority of its own last week. Yeah, we did see a news conference from Mayor Tim Keller and he announced that the city does want $50 million to put towards affordable housing. This is kind of a long-term project the city has been building to. They laid a lot of the groundwork uh, much before this, but they want to address what they say is a, sh a housing shortage of even maybe even tens of thousands of units across the city. They said that when the crisis gets really bad, we saw some of this um, last year as rent prices rose, 
Up to 30,000 units might be needed across the city for folks to have affordable housing. So they're asking for some funds to put towards this and get development going on more places for Albuquerqueans to live. And along those lines, the city of Albuquerque has also announced that it wants to partner with the county to make some kind of a housing authority as well. So that's right. And so it's synergy. It's not quite as simple as just taking $50 million and building $50 million worth of houses. It really is kind of this big long-term partnership um, with the city council, with the uh, Bernalillo County um, board uh, to get more housing across the county, which is something they say is much needed. In the last few months as well, really since November, Mayor Keller has also held or been a part of several different news conferences where crime has come up. One that the mayor held in November, that focused on where the city says money could be best used to fight the city's crime problem and a lot of other asks as well. So I wanted to ask you, Curtis, what did the mayor emphasize in that November news conference? We talked about a lot of different things. Obviously, crime is a big problem with a lot of different factors and causes. So you can feel free to add in more here as well. But some of the things that stood out to me was that he really wanted to address gun violence. Uh, Tim Keller suggested that increased penalties could help on this front. That's something the legislature has proposed almost every legislative session, there's been some sort of gun bill. Um, They don't always pass. Uh, I did an analysis of legislation related to firearms over the last few years, and actually they fail to become law in New Mexico about 85% of the time. So Hmm. obviously these sorts of pieces of legislation are subject to intense debate. It's a heated topic. So something we'll keep our eye on as the session goes on. But uh, on top of that, Albuquerque also wants more money to pay for health benefits for police officers and more money for addressing the fentanyl crisis using things like technology. I know on recent podcasts here, you had some folks from APD talking about some inroads they have made using technology. Looks like they're going to be wanting more of that to keep making those inroads. So inching closer towards this session, uh, Mayor Keller went in front of the cameras again in January of just a few weeks ago. The mayor also, he made what I would call a stern warning about the city's crime-related requests as far as they go toward the legislature. We're not here to get into philosophical debates or theories about crime. The idea is that everything in the Metro Crime Initiative, and we have a summary available now like we did last year, everything in here is a yes or no. You are either voting for it or you're voting against it. We are either going to have these done by the end of the session or we're not. For better or worse, this has ultimate binary accountability. These are either done or they're not. He started detaching dollar figures to as well what the city was going to ask for on on six or seven different items. Uh, The mayor basically put a lot of emphasis in that most recent news conference on getting the state to establish what they're now calling for a $20 million overtime fund to serve warrants. There are more than 5,000 unserved felony warrants in the city, more than 60,000 misdemeanor warrants. So Keller wants 10 million as well for a Southwest public safety center in the city of Albuquerque, 4 million for a new police area command in the Albuquerque university area near UNM and 20 million to build some sort of special operation center on top of the now closed Coronado Park, something we've talked about a lot here on this podcast, where a homeless camp took over really in that park the last few years. 
Yeah, so rounding all of this up, we've got Mayor Keller's priorities for the city, and then you've got this packet from the governor outlining all of her administration's priorities. And Curtis, have we seen any links or commonality between the governor's requests and the city of Albuquerque's so far? Well, I think it's pretty clear that topically and kind of where they're coming from, yes. I mean, they both want uh, to address public safety issues. They both want to address housing insecurity, but the differences come out in the details, right? Uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham wanted $100 million for that law enforcement recruitment fund. That would be a, a doubling from the funding that it got last time around. And the city of Albuquerque asked for $10 million for overtime uh, instead, or perhaps along with, specifically to a tackle this backlog of warrant that warrants that Chris talked about. So they both are working to address the same issues with these funds, but just kind of approaching it from slightly different angles. Yeah, I think that that's a good point to note there. One of the things the governor highlighted was getting more police officers out there. And that's certainly something I don't think anyone would disagree with, that there's a need in that profession. But then meanwhile, you know, I think the city of Albuquerque has probably realized it is really hard to get officers no matter what these days. I mean, they've really raised pay. There's probably more to be said about raising more pay um, to make that job even more attractive for those who are maybe on the fence about it. But, you know, you are seeing at least for the city, you know, not putting emphasis on, hey, we need more officers. We need more officers. It's, hey, we need to do specialized overtime work with the people we already have. So a differential in how you use that money there in public safety. Exactly. Let's move to our last topic here. Topic four, a look at some of the pre-filed bills that lawmakers have put out there. So Curtis, one of the biggest so far, this has been the idea of remaking how lawmakers even operate. Um, Albuquerque representative Joy Garrett most recently talked about this, but can you give me a summary of, you know, what is the state considering? I think it really has to do with their volunteer legislator status, right? That's right. New Mexico is one of the, well, the uh, remaining volunteer legislature. That means those folks up in Santa Fe more or less aren't paid. I mean, they get a little bit per diem, per day pay and some travel expenses, but by and large, they don't get money to sit there and talk about these issues and ultimately make our laws. Yeah. They don't collect a salary. Exactly. They're not salaried. Um, and so, you know, there has been discussion in the past and it continues to today of whether or not New Mexico should pay its legislators. A lot of states do, and there's argument to be made for that. We saw last fall a UNM study or the results of a UNM study come out that asked some legislators specifically about this issue. And the results were pretty clear. The majority of those asked did want to be paid. A lot of them were already working, um, you know, past what their per diem covered, past what they considered kind of reasonable. And so perhaps it makes sense to start paying our legislatures. So that's one thing that uh, they're going to be discussing here. We're waiting for um, more details on that study. They said it would release that UNM study. I hope to get something up on our website soon once more details do come out. But in the meantime, we're definitely going to see legislators talking about this issue here, but it's been talked about before. So it's not clear that it's going to change immediately. Yeah, as far as volunteer roles, this is definitely um, a heavier lift volunteer position, I would say. But we can also link to 
an article that we have about that on krqe.com in our show notes about the push for changes that Curtis mentioned in the roundhouse. What about minimum wage and the cost of living? Are there other ideas on the table for that, Curtis? Yes, there there definitely are. This is a big topic. Uh, KRQE has already covered it some on both the TV and the website. But the big picture here is that New Mexico has been slowly marching upwards in terms of minimum wage. Uh, it, the minimum wage was $7.50 an hour here in 2019. And now we're up to $12 per hour this year because of a bill that kind of introduced year by year increases. Uh, if no new laws are passed, that previously uh, approved bill it would stop kind of where we are at $12 an hour. Uh, but if new bills that have already been introduced do get some ground and do get approved, we could keep going further upwards. One bill recommends increasing minimum wage every single year based on how the consumer price index across the U.S. grows. So it would kind of adjust automatically to increasing prices across the nation. And that could put us beyond $16 per hour by the year 2026. An alternative bill that's also been pre-filed or could be debated in this upcoming session suggests a similar yearly adjustment to minimum wage, but it would start at a base rate of $12 an hour. So there are a ton of pre-filed bills, right? There's a lot. Yeah. And you've read every single one of them. The title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I know that's, that's a little bit much, but did you see any other pre-files that you can rattle off for us, Curtis? Yeah, there's a bunch of interesting bills. There almost always is, especially in a 60-day session when pretty much any topic is up for grabs. Uh, some stood out to me as just being odd or interesting. Others are probably pretty important and will likely be debated. But things that stood out to me include a bill to try to bring front-end license plates to New Mexico vehicles. If, uh, if you just moved here and don't live in New Mexico, you might be surprised to learn that we don't have license plates on the front of our cars. I know that was a shock to some of my friends from Texas. I'm from uh, Oregon. We always have front license plates. And so it was a, yeah. a difference for me when I got here too. Same. I mean, I'm from Texas and they're yeah, front and back required. I suppose there's an argument to be made that, you know, that could help things like law enforcement or vehicle security, you know, those sorts of arguments. But for whatever reason, we don't have them currently. A uh, new bill is trying to get them affixed to our vehicles. So that could be in the works. Another uh, interesting bill is a law specifically setting pay schedules for film background workers. I thought this was interesting, not because I know much about this industry, which I don't, but because it does seem to show that New Mexico is still uh, continuing to think of itself as investing in the movie business, right? We, we know that the state ha and Albuquerque itself has invested a lot in that. It looks like lawmakers are keeping an eye on that and wanting that industry to grow. So I thought that was interesting. Other bills I thought were particularly interesting were one that's already being debated on Twitter, at least, is a bill that would make it illegal for the average New Mexican or, you know, someone who's not law enforcement to have a gun magazine with over 10 rounds in it. So they would just say blanket ban on all ammunition rounds that are these kind of large capacity magazines. And we're seeing some healthy debate, uh, perhaps unhealthy at times with some, some words you see on Twitter, but some debate on that already. So mm. who knows if that will get through? It's definitely a contentious issue. Um, so all kinds of interesting bills here. Another one related to crime is the potential for providing 
providing immunity for shopkeepers trying to detain shoplifters. So mm. if you followed Albuquerque news in particular, we had, you know, organized retail crime in recent years. It's a big problem here, something law enforcement continue to try to address. Uh, you know, one thing that I, I've heard kind of through the grapevine is if you run a shop, it's not entirely clear if you should try to stop someone for shoplifting, right? If you're not a lawyer, you don't know what the rules are, or if you're just worried about your own personal safety, should you just let them walk out of the store with the goods or should you try to intervene? Should you just wait for the police? Uh, so this bill addresses a little bit of that and would provide some legal immunity to shopkeepers who detain people trying to walk out of their stores with stolen goods. So. <laughs> All sorts of bills covering a wide range of things and issues that uh, some impact a lot of New Mexicans, some impact a specific few, but a whole bunch of topics to keep our eye on this session. Okay, so the session starts today, which is Tuesday, January 17th, and noon is the official start time. The highlight of the day, though, is really the state of the state. Right, Curtis? That's exactly right. The governor is uh, giving her address of what's going on from her view for 30,000 foot view of the state, the biggest priorities, the biggest issues. And that'll kind of kick off the session and give legislators the, the big overall view that they need to start deciding uh, what becomes new law. This might be as well the first state of the state to take place inside the House chamber for the first time in maybe three years because there was one in 2020, 2021 was remote, same with 22. So this, this might be the first time for uh, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham entering her second term to get back in front of the whole crowd of lawmakers and hear the things that they applaud and whatnot um, in the same room. So we'll see. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think back to last year um, at the end of the session was when the governor made that surprise announcement that masks were no longer required indoors. So very different landscape going into this legislative session. We mentioned this off the top of the show, not entirely lawmaking related, but one interesting note going into the context of this session is those six shootings that happened at the homes and offices of Albuquerque lawmakers over the last two months. Among the victims, we have State Senator Linda Lopez and incoming House Speaker Representative Javier Martinez. Both of them had their homes shot at, the first at Martinez's home in December and the second at Lopez's home in January. Of course, there were four other shootings as well, but the two Gabby mentioned were of those who serve in the roundhouse. A suspect was taken into custody last week, but APD has not yet released his name as of the day that we're recording this. They say they have recovered a gun, though. They believe that the gun was used at at least one of the locations where the shootings occurred. So I would expect maybe going into this session that we might hear more acknowledgments about this situation. And granted, um, well, we don't necessarily know the motive for these shootings yet, or if there was just maybe one suspect involved. Maybe there were multiple. We don't really know that yet. I think it is safe to say, though, that this probably has some lawmakers rattled on sort of a heightened sense of awareness about their role in Santa Fe and state politics because, you know, we mentioned these are folks who are volunteer lawmakers, right? They do run in elections and they get picked by their constituents. But I think there is this almost this level, the status that they're just they're not that politician. They're just maybe your neighbor who goes and makes the final decision at the roundhouse. So 
it probably is an acknowledgement of just the the changing nature of politics in the state. And Curtis, the, the legislature has actually responded to this in, in one particular way, right? There's There was a change of information online, even available about lawmakers. Yeah, it looks like just, you know, out of an abundance of caution, they did take down some information from the website. That would be things like, you know, addresses of, say, the offices of some of these volunteer lawmakers, uh, phone numbers. You know, it, it's possible and maybe even likely that we'll see some increased police presence, at least at the start of the session. I know that's something uh, one person did ask at that APD press conference, and they said, you know, we, they APD is working with state police to uh, do their best to make sure these legislators are safe. But like you said, they're, they're volunteers. They're not the president. They don't have a security detail, right? So uh, yeah, I think there is a sense that Everyone's a little bit on edge, but, uh, you know, New Mexicans are tough. A lot of the lawmakers are tough, and that's why they're in the roundhouse. So I don't think they'll be scared, but everyone's aware. Well, Curtis, we look forward to all of your updates this legislative session. Where can people reach you to see your work? You can find me on KRQ News 13's website. You'll see my stories up there pretty much every day. Um, Maybe we can also put a link to my uh, bio in the show notes here if you want to follow me specifically. I'm also active on Twitter. I'll be posting stories and things about the session, kind of happenings as they occur as best I can throughout this session. So if you want kind of the moment by moment play as best as I can do it, go ahead and follow me on Twitter as well at C Cigara. Uh, that's C-U-R-T-I-S-S-E-G-A-R-R-A. Right on. Well, Curtis, thank you for your expertise. We are uh, always glad to have you here. Appreciate your work as well this session. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to our digital data investigative reporter, Curtis Segarra. And again, keep an eye out for his roundhouse roundups throughout this 60-day legislative session. 60-day session, it means that all lawmakers, as you heard, can forward all sorts of bills and they potentially could get debated and voted on. As opposed to a 30-day session, the governor has all the say as to what is, quote, on the call uh, and what lawmakers discuss. So just a few other notes. The governor, as we mentioned, starting her second term this year, second four-year term. There's also new leadership for House Republicans and Democrats. Javier Martinez is the new House Speaker and Ryan Lane. He is now the House Minority Leader. Javier Martinez hails from the Borellas area, whereas of Albuquerque, I should say, is Ryan Lane comes from the Aztec area up in the northwest part of the state. We appreciate y'all listening in to our legislative review this year. If you have any ideas, questions, comments, you can always send those to us directly. I'm at Chris McKee TV on social media, and you can also reach me at email at chris.mckee at krqe.com. We'll also be streaming the State of the State address on krqe.com today. So check that out if you got some time. Yeah, and you can always reach me as well. I'm gabrielle.burkhardt at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you all for listening.